Christianity, Christian theism, which we believe, answers that in four words that we've mentioned on these this podcast before. Where do we come from? Creation. What is wrong with the world? The fall. How do we fix it? The cross. Redemption. Christ. And where are we going? New creation. This is ultimately going to be all renewed, and we're going to be forever with the Lord. Now, sexual revolution has its own worldview. We mentioned this before, plastic people living in a liquid world, that there is a full worldview that has taken place and transgenderism has been sort of the the tip of that iceberg. Welcome listeners to the Scripture and Plain Reason podcast. An engaging podcast where we affirm the authority of Scripture and the clarity of Scripture. My name is Ryan. And my name is Brian. Welcome back, listeners. We have a great episode for you today to talk about gender ideology. We've been talking about in our series, Plastic People in a Liquid World, all of these different ideologies that are impacting our culture today. So we will definitely talk about gender ideology today and likely next week as well. We're going to break this up into a couple of different parts. Hey, before we get into the episode today, Ryan, I need to follow up something about last week's episode. And you introduced us to a new word. You were describing Charles Darwin. He was the guy that you were talking about and how he fit into the history of how we got to this place where feelings are king. And you just introduced a a new word. And I wondered if you could further explain. We've had some listeners just ask, what does that word mean again? And you said omnipotent. (laughs) Can you just give us a, a little definition of what is omnipotent? I've heard of omnipotent, but not omnipotent. Omnipotent. So that's how you pronounce it? (laughs) Maybe we should go to the experts. Let's see what the experts say about how to pronounce omnipotent. The experts? Is that Google it? We're going to Google it. Okay. Omnipotent. Omnipotent. Okay. We've got that settled. So (laughs) omnipotent is not a word? Clearly, omnipotent is not a word. And I do know that our all-powerful God is omnipotent and omniscient. I mean, omniscient. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you almost did it again. I just have to ask, which listener, because I think she's very close to your heart, noticed that you created that new word? Well, that goes to my wife. Okay. And and I really- At least she's listening. Yes. She listens every week. And (laughs) I am very grateful for the feedback that she provides to us on our podcast, because she, she is willing to jump in and share with me all of her feedback. And- I know I'm appreciative of it. And this one hurt a little bit. This one was a little bit of a punch in the gut because not only did I say it, but I missed it in the editing as well. (laughs) And I do understand that the correct pronunciation is omnipotent, but clearly I was reading off of a piece of paper and I didn't appropriately pronounce it. Charles Darwin obviously didn't believe in omnipotence either. (laughs) Well, back at you, Brian, I, I know you had some time away with the family and- I know you were visiting Chris, or sorry, you were taking Carissa down to college. We talked a little bit about that on the last yeah, episode. Yeah, well, that was another gotcha moment because- How did it really go? We <laughs> we had some listeners wondering, when do you actually record those episodes? Because it dropped on Monday, as it always does, 
And that was the Monday after um, we had dropped Carissa off to college on Saturday. So we're trying to make these sound as like current as possible. And I didn't realize until afterwards that some of those moments come across as somewhat disingenuous, perhaps even dishonest, and we certainly don't want to be that. Um, so I had said that there were tears shed, we dropped her off at college, in anticipation that there would be tears shed when we dropped her off at college. So I'm here to confirm, Ryan, and to all of our listeners, that truly there were tears shed when we dropped her off at college. And we'll try to be better about telling you that these are pre-recorded. Yeah, I agree. Anything else to share with regards to the trip? Did you have a good time? It was great. You know, just seeing how far she's come with her health and she's adjusted well. The Lord has given her two roommates that she's already become somewhat close to. As far as friendships, we were able to take them out with us for a couple meals um, and we were able to stay a good length of time to see how she was doing with her classes. And so it was really good. It's just a joy to see her there and to be thriving. She told me the other day, she said, Dad, my biggest goal is I want to grow closer to Christ. And she said, my second goal is I, I want to um, really learn something here as I get my education. And and the third one was I, I want to make a lot of friends. So yeah. I'm, I'm really happy for her. Praise God. And you mentioned Becky's parents are down there. So she has. Them yeah, to she's to. got a great support group right there. In fact, all of Becky's sisters and their families, as well as her parents, all live there. My parents live in South Carolina, too. So mm -hmm. besides my brother and his family who are out in Wyoming and myself in Pennsylvania, everybody's there. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, why don't we jump into this topic on gender ideology? And uh, I know, Brian, you had some thoughts that you wanted to introduce this topic. So why don't you do that to start? Yeah. Well, last week we talked about this desire to have our feelings be king and that if you feel something, you're supposed to adjust your body to that mm -hmm. rather than your mind being adjusted to your body. And I heard this little story. Of course, it's not true, but um, it does kind of set it up for what we're going to discuss over the next few episodes. I heard about a mother who walked into a therapist's office dragging her teenage son, Ryan. And she says, doctor, please help me. My son thinks he's a chicken. Well, the son says, if there's one thing I can tell you about chickens, it's that we know who we are. The mother says, where's your proof? You have no feathers. The son replies, true. I went through the wrong puberty. The mother then turns to the therapist. You see what I mean? He's lost his mind. To which the therapist replies, well, you're the one arguing with the chicken, ma'am. Mm. Now, it's somewhat of an ironic story, but this story is actually, unfortunately, coming true in a lot of situations. We're seeing this happen in elementary as well as middle school and high schools. There's essentially this topic of care called affirmative care. It's the prevailing medical standard for the treatment of transgender patients. So if someone is feeling something... They're supposed to only affirm that and encourage that, never challenge it. And uh, so that's where we want to start today. But I do want to remind us, Ryan, these are not easy topics. It's hard stuff. We're going to be talking about stuff that's very personal, and now it's become political and, and very much cultural. But we're always to remember that people are never our enemies. Sin is our enemy. People are image bearers of a holy God. Now, everyone's not our brother or sister, but everyone is our neighbor. 
And we must keep these things in mind. So some of the topics that we're going to be dealing with in terms of transgender are going to be answering these very popular questions right now. Can a boy be trapped in a girl's body? Can a girl be trapped in a guy's body? Can modern medicine actually reassign biological sex? Is our sex assigned to us in the first place? And what is the most, and this is where we as believers really want to um, drill down, what is the most loving response to a person who's experiencing a conflicted sense of gender? What should our law say on matters of gender identity? So these are some of the things that I want us to talk about, and I know you do as well, Mm -hmm. um, as we investigate transgenderism. You know, I think this is a good spot for this next question because you mentioned this is a personal topic. So what can you tell our listeners about the difference between an individual and an ideology? Because I think those are two key distinct elements that need to be defined really through this process. Yeah, very helpful. Ideology, you can hear the word idea there. So it's the science of ideas. And we've mentioned this a couple of times in this series, but Colossians 2 says to be careful not to be taken captive basically by worldly pagan ideas or ideologies, but rather allow Christ to take us captive And so an ideology is basically a cultural political movement, and it must be seen as a distinction, though, from the individual. Maybe I could say it like this. In other words, we need to distinguish trans activists, those who are promoting the ideology, from people who are suffering gender confusion or um, gender dysphoria. I love this little syllogism. Ideas have consequences. And bad ideas have victims. And one of the things we need to distinguish as believers is there are individuals that God's going to give us audience with, perhaps even family members, who are sincerely struggling with what we're going to talk about, which is called gender dysphoria. This distinction or difference between one's biological sex and what they feel in terms of their gender identity. Those individuals need to be dealt with with compassion and care and empathy and patience. But there's a different posture that we need to have to this pagan, worldly, I think, satanic ideology. This is a, a system of thought that is bad. And because it's bad, what we're seeing is a myriad of victims, Ryan, all around in our culture. And those of us, which we are both two of them, that care very much for our children, um, this is an attack on the most innocent among us. It's taking advantage of their childhood and actually robbing them of their childhood, allowing them to make decisions that one day they will horribly regret. And so um, the ideology needs to be stood up to with conviction and with resolve the individual needs to be treated with compassion. And I think that distinction is very important. Sounds like you're talking a little bit about worldviews here. Yeah. A worldview, of course, is is the belief about reality that we all have. Uh, whether you realize it or not, we all have a worldview. A worldview basically is like, I've heard it described as, as like your autonomic nervous system. Mm. So your autonomic nervous system, as I understand it from biology, it's been a while. It's the part of your system that operates involuntarily. So, for instance, you don't have to tell yourself to breathe. breathe. Yeah, You don't have to tell your heart to beat. Thankfully, tonight after dinner, you don't have to tell the digestive system, please digest this food. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, these things happen involuntarily. 
And our worldview kind of operates underneath the surface involuntarily. Now, it's been built and it's been honed and it's been shaped, but it causes us to answer the big questions in life. And those four big questions philosophers have often put in these interrogatives. First of all, where did we come from? What is wrong with this world? There's obviously things wrong with this world. Third question is, how do we fix it? And the fourth is, where are we going? Now, Christianity, Christian theism, which we believe, answers that in four words that we've mentioned on these this podcast before. Where do we come from? Creation. What is wrong with the world? The fall. How do we fix it? The cross. Redemption. Christ. And where are we going? New creation. This is ultimately going to be all renewed, and we're going to be forever with the Lord. Now, sexual revolution has its own worldview. We mentioned this before, plastic people living in a liquid world, that there is a full worldview that has taken place, and transgenderism has been sort of the the tip of that iceberg. And here's how sexual revolution has its worldview. When they answer the question, where did we come from? They have no objective purpose, no objective meaning. Humans are the result of this blind, accidental Darwinian process of a bundle of physical needs. When they answer what's wrong with the world, maybe surprised to hear they believe it's sexual repression, like institutions of marriage and the church who prevented people from living out their desires and their fantasies. Is that kind of like the Freud yeah, theory. exactly. Yeah. I was going to say Sigmund Freud, the last guy that we dealt with last episode. And how do we fix it? The sexual revolution would say, get rid of marriage and institutions so that people can live out their sexual fantasy. So stop restricting people. And finally, where would we be going? According to the sexual revolution, we would be going to live a happy life because we would no longer have these restrictions on people's desires. Now, just for a moment, though, let's imagine, because we've been able to see it in real time, how has this worldview of the sexual revolution played out? They answer the question where we're going is to happiness, somewhat of a utopia. Has that been the way this has played out? A lot of anger, a lot of regret. I mean, just think about how it's so far played out. We have pervasive pornography. We have rampant abortions, we have STDs, we have divorce, we have dysphoria now we're talking about today, we have fatherless homes. This is the legacy of the sexual revolution. But you and I as Christians who want to promote a Christian worldview, what if we were to ask this question, what if we started living out the sexual ethics of Jesus Christ? What is the outcome of that? Living the way we were created, living according to God's intention in the way that humans would flourish as male and female. So yeah, it is a worldview question. And that worldview question, I think, is answered by the sexual revolution in a whole different way. And that's why um, there's such confusion today in this culture, because this worldview, this alternate worldview has taken over. And the unthinkable has now become the unquestionable. What we mentioned last week, if our grandfathers were to go into a doctor and say, I feel like I am a a woman trapped in a man's body, our grandfathers would be told, you need mental help. You need some counseling. You need some therapy. Whereas today we would be told, you need to change your body to bring it in line with your mind. 
And anybody who doesn't affirm someone's feelings, it's now, if you question it, you are the bigot. You're the one who's the homophobe or the transphobe. So anybody who questions these things now are the ones that are the enemy. They're the ones that are actually withholding happiness from someone. So I've kind of given us a little intro to this topic, Ryan, but I think it's also helpful to just be reminded that we are living in a moment because this is coming up often. I just noticed this week, just listening to the news um, as I was traveling yesterday, it's coming up almost every state. There's a situation on this whole topic of transgender. And I thought maybe you could bring us up to speed on a little maybe of some of the current events that are happening right now. Yeah, I'm going to start going back seven years because I think when you look back and you see where the snowball, as we talked about last episode, really started to build upon itself and, and get moving really quickly is the iconic moment of Bruce Jenner effectively coming out and saying he was a woman. Now, Bruce Jenner was born in 1949. At that point, when he came out, he was over 60 years old, uh, hadn't even gone through the reassignment surgery, but he was already saying, my name is no longer Bruce Jenner. It's now appropriate and the right thing for you to call me Caitlin. And so the world was told that although he had been one of the all-time great American male Olympic heroes, unfortunately, none of that really happened. He was always a woman. And we kind of talked about that last episode as well, that you were mentioning how if you were to go to a doctor today and say, I am a woman, the doctor would affirm that. And not only that, but you as a man, Brian, never existed. Correct. And when you think about the medals he won in the Olympics, mm -hmm. now he even says, ironically, and interestingly enough, he says, I, I heard him on an interview not long ago, that he disagrees that transgenders should be able to participate in the sport that's not their biological sex. So here's a guy who's trans over to a trans woman who doesn't believe that there should be equality and participation that you really are never fully that different gender. I found this last story on Caitlyn Jenner really sad, and it's not even about Caitlyn Jenner. It's about Caitlyn's daughter. And back in 2018, Kylie, uh, Jenner's daughter, posted a, a picture of herself as a little girl with her dad. When she posted that, she was absolutely vilified as being transphobic. Mm. Really sad for Kylie, who looks back on her life and sees her dad, and she gets abused online for being transphobic, for posting something that was part of her life, her history, her memories. It's really sad. Yeah, it's back to the unthinkable of 10 years ago is the unquestionable now. Yep, exactly. All right, well, I have one more story to share about current events, and this is an interesting one. I think this could spur some good conversation. Is this between... about the church in Florida? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I just read an article about it today. Yeah, so a Florida Christian school came out and has said that now that students living gay or transgender lifestyles will be asked to leave the school, and they're taking a stance, and you know, they have also proclaimed that, you know, their school goes back to 1970, that this has always been their stance. And so... Yeah, I think I read that this particular statement on where they're at on all things 
sexual revolution, I guess we should say, they've had that up online for a long time. Yeah, exactly. You know, one of the things that I was thinking about as I was reading the article, and uh, I'm curious on your perspective on this, it, it did feel a little harsh, like understandable, you're a Christian school, if someone is practicing homosexual activities, then that's your policy. You're not going to let that individual into your school. But for an individual that's confused and is practicing as a transgender, to go as far as kicking them out of the school or asking them to leave, at first it felt a little bit harsh to me. And, you know, I, th I think about church, right? And if a transgender or a homosexual came into our church, you know, obviously we're not going to kick them out. We want them to hear the gospel. What's your perspective on that? Maybe the difference between church and, and a school? Yeah, right. I, I think the first thing, it's an issue of religious freedom in terms of the school being able to say, we're a religious institution and uh, this is how we practice our faith. This has been a statement of faith or a statement of morality that we've long time adhered to, never been a challenge. People who come to our school realize this is what you have to sign up for. This is what we do. It could be similar to a dress code that a Christian school or private school could have. It could be um, similar to if you do these kinds of things on the weekend when you're not here, you could be removed from mm -hmm. the, the student body. So I do think that they ought to have the liberty, whatever it is. It may be crazy. You don't go there if it is. Mm -hmm. But I do think they ought to have that fundamental right that we enjoy as American citizens to say who can attend and who can't attend based on their religious position and freedom. But I do think you raise a good point. I mean, when you read the, the headlines, and certainly we don't expect the media to put Christians or churches or anyone who tries to take a stand for godliness in a good light, and they certainly don't with this school, it does come across the headlines as being unwelcoming, maybe not even very evangelistic in terms of hoping that this person would come to know Christ. But I do know in most Christian schools, you have to sign some type of statement that you're already a believer. Sure. I would say that there's a big difference in my mind between a Christian school, Christian college, Christian university, um, even a Christian camp, and a church. So an institution is required to have rules and standards for your ability to participate in those institutions. Most of them, there's some type of tuition that's involved. You have to pay in order to attend either camp or college, university as well. A church is different. Church is a place where it's been well said. The church is not a museum for saints. It's a hospital for sinners. And um, I think we both agree that um, our desire would be someone who is either practicing as a homosexual, for instance, or um, they have same-sex desires, same-sex attraction, or they're trans. They are either considering uh, transitioning, or they already have trans, perhaps they've even had surgery. These are people like all of us that are broken, and they need to hear the good news of the gospel. They need to hear God's word and his help for them in their brokenness. So as a church, I would find it aghast. I would find it reprehensible for us to say, if you're living in this lifestyle, you're not welcome here. That's counter to all I understand in terms of the scriptures, that we ought to be a place where we're saying, come and hear. Now, that is a far cry from saying, you can come to the church and you won't hear us proclaim, thus says the Lord, because sure. I'm going to speak 
is clearly, hopefully, from the pulpit about what the Bible says about transgenderism, what he says about homosexuality, what he says about adultery, what he says about fornication, premarital sex and pornography and abortion and all of those things. I want you to come, but I'm going to still speak the truth to you. So I, I do think there's a difference between the way a school would operate in terms of its enrollment. Both of us have our children in Christian schools, and I know the Christian school my kids attend, there's a similar, actually, yeah. code that if you violate this and it's clear, you'll be removed from the student body. Yeah. You bring up a really good point is about headlines as well, and kicking these children out is not really what the intention is of the school. It's about you're not aligned with what our views and, and principles are here at the school, and we want kids that are aligned to those principles and, and morals and values. Yeah. And I would say one more thing, and this is where I would applaud them. I don't know all about the situation, but as we just said, what's happening often in the public schools in our country today, and the big discussion is going on about affirmative care. So a young person, even in elementary school, will go to a student counselor, go to a therapist there at the school and say that they believe that they need to transition to uh, the opposite sex. In many cases, there's big discussion and debate about whether parents should be alerted because what they're being told in the schools is you are only allowed to give affirmative care, which means you encourage them. You don't talk to try to talk them out of it. You don't try to point out this illegitimate wrong thinking, um, you only affirm. So that will first of all say, if you want to socially transition, you can do that. So you can start using different pronouns of the opposite sex. And we will, if you want to use a different name, we're going to help you and accommodate that. Maybe they don't even tell the parents. In California, they're saying that it's okay for them to, it was a law that was passed, to send the child out to get some either puberty blockers or hormones. And then ultimately, they would lead to a surgical affirming care. But my point is, this is totally the opposite at this Christian school. They're not giving affirmative care. They're saying that is actually illegitimate. Mm -hmm. Now, I would be interested in the deep dive and back to the spirit of your question, if they had a young person who was questioning, they had a young person who was confused and legitimately going through some gender dysphoria. Would they give them good, biblical, sound counseling, or would it be, you're struggling, you're out? I hope it wouldn't be the latter. Agree. And I would assume it'd be the former. I think what they're talking about is someone who has completely crossed the line. They haven't come to them for counsel or help. They've simply said, this is my lifestyle. You better deal with it, and you better affirm me. And they're saying, no, we don't do that. Yeah. You know, this whole struggle with our kids and this whole struggle with kids in general throughout the country is something that's near and dear to my heart. And you talked about all the steps that teachers in the public schools take with the parents having no clue as to what's going on. And when you think about how many people that have gone through the process of transitioning have regretted it, mm -hmm. how can you let someone that's not of age, that's not an adult, make those decisions on their own. It is just absolutely baffling to me. And it's really sad. And we have to protect kids. We have to protect the children of this country. And right now they're, they're being abused, frankly. They are. And I'm glad you use that word because that word gets used a lot. It gets thrown around a lot. And sometimes it's not accurate. 
but I believe it's completely accurate for what's happening with this affirmative care. They're assuming that a child knows best when they're struggling emotionally, beginning to wonder if if I did this, if I transitioned, then maybe this would solve my depression problem. Maybe this would solve some of the other mental issues that I'm going through. And instead of contradicting that and helping them see that they're not thinking properly right Mm now, um, they're affirming it. And you're exactly right. I think it ultimately leads to child abuse. And just a reminder that our God created us male and female. He created us in such a way that as we live in accordance with his word and will, we can flourish as human beings. And this is an attack not only on our children, the most vulnerable, but it's an attack on our God's perfect design. Amen. Well, you notice we didn't take a break on this episode. We wanted to get through this topic. It's like you said at the onset, it's a difficult topic for sure, uh, but we have a lot to talk about and we Mm. have two episodes to do it in. So we didn't take a break today. Uh, I just want to remind everybody, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you leave us comments, leave us ideas for different topics or future topics that we can discuss. As Brian always says, we'd love to hear from you. My name is Ryan. My name is Brian. Join us next time for more scripture and plain reason. God's word is true and God's word is clear.